we've been talking about financial flow, and I've kind of gone at this a little different direction because everything is relationship. No matter what you talk about in the, in the body of Christ, everything has to do with relationship. And so when we are looking at uh, any part of our life, whether it's, it's our uh, physical, our mental, our emotional, our, uh, our financial, our relational, whatever part it is, everything is the foundation of all of it is relationship with our Heavenly Father. And, and that has to be brought into every part of our relationship. So that we're, that's what we're, we're talking about is relationship with God. In 2 Corinthians 9, chapter 9 and verse 8, read this with me. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have an all-sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Praise God. That's a declaration that Paul was making to a, a church that had made a promise to uh, give to a, to a certain situation, certain need, and they had not followed through with their promise. And so Paul was, was um, t- giving them understanding that uh, you don't make a promise without falling through with it. He was helping them understand the importance of it. But then he started talking about the relationship of, of giving uh, and, and the favor of God. I want us to really look at that today. How many understand favor? The word favor, that's what I want to focus on today, the word favor. We, uh, we, we use that word for a lot of things. We, we say, well, well, that baby favors his mother, mother or dad. or you know, We use that word for a lot of different things. But the word I'm using today, favor, is, is about God releasing something in our life that causes advantage, an advantage. How many would like to have an advantage? I was listening to uh, Pastor Ron Carpenter talk about this uh, some time ago, and he said that, that he believes this so much, he believes in favor so much that every situation he goes into, he believes that he has an advantage in that meeting because of the favor of God. Now, that's a, that's a wonderful way to live, not feeling like you're over somebody, but that you have an advantage, that there's blessing on your life, that whatever you do, there's going to be blessing, there's going to be favor coming up on your life. Now, that doesn't just happen naturally. That has to be an impartation from God. It has to be released, and Paul's talking about that. And in verse 8 here, he says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. He is able. Doesn't say that it's just going to happen. He said he is able to make all grace abound toward you. Now, the word grace here literally means every earthly blessing. The way it's used here, when I was looking at this in... in, um, uh, Vine's expository New Testament words, it literally said in this verse that what it's meaning is every earthly blessing. God is able to make every earthly blessing. And the Amplified kind of goes in the definition of that. It said, God is able to make all grace, parentheses, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always, under all circumstances, and whatever the need, be self-sufficient. 
possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good statement there, isn't it? That's, that's the way I want to live. I want to live to the place where I don't have to try to get things to happen, but we come behind and no, no good work or charitable donation where we can, we can accomplish what God wants us to accomplish without sitting around worrying about how we're going to do this. You know, that's how we usually, we're always trying to figure out how we're going to do this. Whenever God gives us something to do, he never checks our budget to see if we can do it. Amen. He just simply says, this is what I want to do. And we have to understand that the power, the strength, and the supply is in God. But that comes through relationship, okay? Now, last week we talked about the uh, power of, of finance, the power of money. We've been talking about the love of money. And the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. The desire, the and, and when you break that down, it's talking about when you have an intimate relationship with money, it is the root of all evil. When you have intimate desires for money or for things or for finances, it's always amazing when they arrest somebody that has been embezzling money and they go to their house they find their houses full of stuff they don't need and will never use. Isn't that amazing? I remember a story about a, a, a woman that embezzled money from a county. Uh, uh, she worked for the county or city or something, I forget, in a town. And when they, when they went to her house after they arrested her, they went into her house and her garage was packed full of big screen TVs that were still in the boxes. And stuff that she had bought that she would never use. But it was the lust or the desire for money and for things that drove her to try to get money in whatever way she could in order to purchase things that was completely unnecessary and was nothing but to be, to be consumed on her desires, her lust. And that happens in every situation. They, 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 they desire this money, they out of greed, they embezzle and they, they steal and they rob, and then they use they, they spend that money so foolishly. Why? Because it's about the greed, it's about the spirit that comes with this stuff. So the love of money uh, is the root of all evil. And I talked last week about every situation, but just about every problem, the basis of every problem has to do with possession and control. Who's in control and who has possession? When you're dealing with things in, in life, you find out that that usually is, a very, is the power behind just about everything is who has control and who's in possession. Because possession determines desire. As I was saying last week that you put some toys out in a room and one of the, there could be a toy that nobody even paying attention to until one child gets that toy, toy and takes possession of it, and then all of a sudden it becomes desirable for the other kids in the room, and they start fighting over it. I mean, they will fight. Mean. My granddaughters are so sweet until 
one of them puts on a princess dress that the other one wanted. And all of a sudden, they're not princesses anymore. They are MMA fighters. They are Ronda Rousey, you know. I mean, they are mean. And they go at it. It's like, it's like, whoa. I mean, they go at it mean. And it's because of possession. And so when we set a timer to, to, to solve that, we have to set a timer and say, okay, you have, you have it for five minutes. But when that timer goes off, you got to share it for five minutes. And as long as we do that, they'll share it because then they know that for five minutes they have legal right and possession. And then when the timer goes off, they willingly give it up because they understand legal right and possession. So we as... As people of God, we have to understand legal right and possession, who's in control, who has possession. If we understand that everything belongs to God anyway, then that solves a lot of our problems. Then it's like, okay, God, you know, this is yours. When we give, when we give release of ourselves to God and we realize that, God, I belong to you, you know, that's, this, is, this is me. I give it to you. And when we do that, then we, it relieves a lot of stress and pressure off of us because we know that we're in the hands of a loving Heavenly Father. And so he said, and God is able to make all grace. Now, I'm going to get in next week into what really opens the door to this. Might get into it a little bit today. But what really opens the door to favor in your life. But I want us to really focus on look what favor does in our life. Favor in your life... Just a really good understanding of favor is when favor comes upon you, things come to you instead of you having to go to it, okay? In, in other words, instead of you having to, to struggle to get something, it starts showing up on your door. That's favor, okay? I was talking to, I've got an elderly pastor friend that I, I love to talk to. Dr. Jim Finn, he is a Greek lexicon. I mean, he, he can go into the Greek deeper than anybody ever. I mean, he just, he can explain it in ways that I, and, and I love, I'll drive, I'll drive up to his house a lot of times, and uh, he, he's had several strokes, had a heart attack, not in real good shape physically, and I'll go up there and just sit on, he sits in a recliner, and I'll go up there and just sit on his bed sometimes for four hours just listening and, and letting him teach me and talking to him, and the time just flies by. And he just opens the Word of God up. But he said that when he was younger, he was struggling with things, and he pastored for years with, you know, just really struggling. And he said one day he was out walking, and he said, I just got mad. And he said, I started grabbing rocks and throwing them at God. <laughs> he said, I mean, I just started picking up rocks and throwing them in the air, and it's coming back down and hit me. And I just, but he, he said, I was mad, and I was saying, God, why don't you treat me as good as you treat everybody else? Why don't you do stuff for me? And he said, God said something to him that he'll never forget, and because he spoke it in a way that he understood as just a, 
you know, uh, Missouri hillbilly. He said, God spoke to him and he said, okay, son, I'm going to give you a world. That sounds weird, doesn't it? But he said, that's exactly what happened. And he said, no longer did I have to fight over things or struggle for things. He said, blessings started coming upon my life. He said, I went from not being able to, to pay my bills to having people fighting over who's going to buy me a new Cadillac that year. I said, I said, there, listen to him. I said, just, just hang on a minute. I got to go throw some rocks. <laughs> But he's talking about how that all of a sudden everything changed because he had, he had give and give and give and sowed for years, and then all of a sudden everything started. God placed favor on him, and things changed in his life because favor changes your life. We can, we can go into a lot of examples of, of that today, and I, I hope I can get to some of them. But uh, when you talk about favor, um, the word means that which, in, in the Greek it says, it means that which bestows or occasions grace, favor. That which bestows or occasions pleasure. You say, well, God, God's not like that. Yes, he is. God wants to bless your life. God wants you to enjoy your life. Amen. He just doesn't want you to sell yourself out. To the things he blesses you with. And it says, delight or causes favorable regard. The Webster's Dictionary puts it like this, to be to the advantage of. When you have favor, it's to be to the advantage of. An act of kindness going beyond what could normally be expected. How many can use a little bit of that in your life? Acts of kindness that go beyond what is normally expected praise god we 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 need favor if if we focus just on what comes out of it you know i've i've heard messages for years on finances and this is actually the first time in my life that i've ever took a time and preached on this and so it's it's been a struggle for me i i haven't i don't know why but it's been a struggle and i think one reason is because there's such a stigma about money and preachers and, you know, stuff like that. And, and people, people's always asking me that don't know much about it. They, they'll say, well, what's a preacher do? Which, of course, I, I work all the time outside of the church. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm quadruple vocational. Some people are bivocational. I'm quadruple vocational. And uh, I wear a lot of hats. I you know, sometimes I'll, I'll leave the lake and Jr. will say, where are you going? I said, just changing hats, just changing hats. When we, and, and so there's a stigma about money in the church. And the reason is because it's who has control and who has possession. And greed gets into people's lives no matter where you're at. It doesn't matter if you're a church sitting. It doesn't matter where you're at. Our government just look at our government, you realize that money absolutely destroys. I mean, right now, money is destroying our, our country. The fight over money, the fight over finances, and the embezzlement, and all the, the, the swamp is being revealed in every direction, and we're finding out that our country has sold its soul. 
over money. Money, 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 money. How many remember that old song? For the love of money. You remember that one? You ever heard that? Some of y'all too young. It was sung by the OJs. Come on. Back in the 70s. It says, for the love of money, people will steal from their mother. For the love of money, they'll rob from their brothers. For the love of money, you can't even walk the street. Because you never know who you're going to meet. For that mean, 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 mean green, almighty dollar. Come on, somebody. A lot of truth in that song. It says money will drive some people out of their minds, and it does. And so there's a stigma. The last, set, the last three, four, however long I've been preaching on this, I'm up by 3.30, 4 o'clock every Sunday morning because I want to get this right, and I, wanna, I want us to communicate it because we need to get this in the proper perspective where the body of Christ is blessed and it doesn't become a curse. Come on, somebody. Amen. Praise God. Where we don't try to manipulate or we don't try to control. We got to get the manipulation out of the pulpit and we got to get the control out of the pews and start learning to work together because there is a job to be done and it takes the power of God, the anointing of his presence, and it also takes finances because that's what we work on today. Amen. And so giving is something I'm going to be talking about next week a little more in depth because we have to understand what opens the door to favor in your life. And I might get on that this, this week. I don't know. We'll see how, how far we get. But an act of kindness going beyond what could normally be expected, an advantage, the condition of being approved. If there's favor on your life, it means there is approval on your life. Amen. At Romans chapter 14, and I believe it's verse 17, says that the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking. In other words, not in the laws of, of what you eat or drink. But it's in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then verse 18 says that if you serve God in these things, you'll be pleasing to God and approved by men. I want you to listen to that. If you serve God in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, what does favor bring? It brings pleasure. It brings delight. It brings advantage. And when you're walking in the favor of God, you're walking in the kingdom of God, then you'll be pleasing to God and you'll have approval from men. Praise God. People will actually want to be around you. <laughs> of course, if you got a lot of money, there's a lot of people that want to be around you. That's one of the stigmas of having money is, is all of a sudden you got more friends than you, you ever knew you had. And when, when people uh, win the lottery, no matter how much they win, their mailboxes immediately start filling up 
with letters from all over the place and for everybody. And, and it's just like a deluge of, uh, of letters and, and emails and people, just, they, they, they just suddenly become the focus. And, and a lot of the letters are just simply addressed to the lottery winner. And the mail person knows where to deliver that, that letter. You get a lot of attention. Not always, it's not the good kind of attention. Why? Because there's always a lot of demand, a lot of need, and a lot of greed. And we as, church, as a church, we've got to get to the place where we understand that money needs to, we, we see money as a tool, not as a, an objective. A tool. It's just simply a tool. You use it to accomplish something, but it is not the purpose. It is simply a tool by which you accomplish something. Amen. Reinhard Monke, uh, in the massive crusades that he holds in Africa, he's retired now, and, um, um, oh, I know his name, the young man that took over, Kalinda. He's doing a tremendous job. I mean, just carrying on. It's, it's one of the first times I've seen, I've seen a mantle pass and actually be productive. And uh, Daniel Kalinda is doing a tremendous job carrying on the ministry of uh, Brother Reinhard Bonke. But he, he was holding meetings where there would be a million people saved in one meeting. Hard to even fathom. And we get excited about that and say, whoa, glory, that's awesome, wonderful, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But do you understand what it took behind the scenes for that to happen? Behind the scenes, it took millions of dollars. It took coordination. It took buying stuff. It took renting stuff. It took, you know, it took millions of dollars that you don't see what we do see is the gospel being preached, the massive crowds, and people responding under the glory of God and being saved and being healed and being delivered. But none of that could have happened if they didn't take care of the behind-the-scenes stuff before they get to the presentation. Okay? So we, we can't get away from it. We can't, we can't do this just on air. Amen. We, we, we have to have favor on our lives. And favor means that things start coming to you. You start being blessed. Doors open to you. Amen. They just simply, you, you, you see doors open. You see people doing things. We, we see a lot of illustrations of the Bible. Remember the, the lady that come in and washed Jesus' feet? And everybody said, you know, get her out of here. And Jesus said, whoa, just hang on a minute. Now, this is in 3 Timothy, paraphrase. Jesus said, just hang on a minute. Leave her alone. When I come in, you didn't even wash my feet, which was customary then. They actually disrespected Jesus. They had contempt for him. They invited him into the home not to hear what he had to say, but to try to trap him in something. They didn't even, they didn't even show respect. In that day, everybody walked in dirty, dirty streets and dirt and wore sandals. And it's customary when, a, when somebody come into your home that you wash their feet. It was not only refreshing for the person, but it kept your house from getting real dirty. Come on, ladies. Amen. So 
They didn't even wash Jesus' feet. But when this young lady came in, she knelt down and she washed his feet with her tears, dried them with her hair, anointed his feet with this alabaster ointment that was so expensive. I mean, real expensive. And Judas got real upset and said, we could have sold that and gave it to the poor, which the Bible goes into telling that Judas didn't care about the poor. He just wanted the money. It's what he ended up costing his soul. It's what he ended up betraying Jesus over was money. He was around the, the Son of God. He saw miracles take place. He was in the presence of Almighty God. He was, he was every day watching the glory of God work, and yet he couldn't get past the money. Sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Wanted the money. He saw the potential to get gain. And Jesus wouldn't go along with it, and that's why he sold him out. Jesus wouldn't cooperate. I mean, he saw, he saw how much they could do if they'd, just, if they'd just do it right, if they'd advertise, if they'd promote, if they'd just, you know, Jesus wouldn't go along with that. And he cared about the money. He didn't care about God. He didn't care about the work. He cared about the money. And he ended up selling his soul out for the money. But this woman came in and gave that. And Jesus said this. She, he said, you didn't do anything. And he didn't even mention them, what they did. But he said, this woman will be talked about everywhere the gospel's preached. What did he do? He declared favor over her. You are now favored. And here yet today, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this lady that did this, this uh, service for Jesus. And she got favor on her life. In, in the Old Testament, we see a lot, of, a lot of stories. Let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. Talking about um, Joseph. And it says, And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Amen. God was with him. And delivered him out of all his troubles and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now, I want you to notice that God put favor on him. Now, favor is, will, will, I can't preach on that yet. Favor can cause you trouble just like it can bless you, okay? So I, we're going to get on that later. But, but favor was on the life of Joseph. From the time he was a young man, there was favor on him. And every time something bad happened to him, the favor of God would overcome the bad and would always raise Joseph up. And it's because of favor. See, favor is, is the, we, we call grace unmerited favor. That's our definition of grace, unmerited favor. Favor is something you don't deserve. Favor is something you don't do anything to get. Favor is something that comes upon you because it is imparted to you. When God marks you, he brings favor on your life. 
That's why you don't ever want to criticize somebody that's being blessed because they have favor on their life and they're being blessed. And, and if you start criticizing them, then that's, that's the opposite of favor. You put yourself out of favor, out of grace. But if you, if you bless those that are being blessed and they're prospering, then you open the door for yourself to be blessed. Now, in, uh, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 51 through 52, it says, it's talking about Jesus when he uh, uh, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. Now, look what the next verse says. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. See, Jesus was 30 years old before he ever performed his first miracle, started in the ministry, but there was a favor on him. There was a blessing on him. There was a presence on him that attracted people, and he had favor with God and with men after his mama got him straightened out at 12 years old. <laughs> you don't mess with mama. I mean, he, he left, he stayed behind. And, and didn't even tell his mom and dad what he was doing because he was 12 years old and he was big enough to do whatever he wanted. Besides that, he's a son of God. I mean, what are they doing telling me what to do? I know who I am. And so they went back and found him, and they found him in the, t in the temple, and he was astounding. He was baffling the teachers that had devoted themselves their whole lives to the Word, and he was just amazing them with his knowledge of the Word of God. And they were all just, you know, just dumbfounded, except Mary. Mary was unimpressed. <laughs> Mary raised this boy. How many times do you think Mary had to shut him down when he would start, start trying to use his deity to manipulate? And so Mary said, get to the house took him home, and he was subject to her, to his parents, from then until he was 30 years old. Now, we don't know what happened to Joseph, but we do know Mary was still there. And so until he was 30 years old, he was subject to his mama. Amen. You talk, talk about a strong mom. That's kind of like southern women. I got one right here. Just because a southern woman's smiling at you don't mean she's happy. She, should, she could be imagined in her mind how she's just going to rip your head off. <laughs> Whenever Jesus had to understand submission, he had to be taught submission. Therefore, when John the Baptist came on the scene, Jesus refused to elevate himself above John the Baptist because he recognized God had ordained John the Baptist before him, and he had to submit himself to that. He learned that in, under the tutorship of Mary because Mary taught him how to. But during that time, until he's 30 years old, he had the favor of God and men. I'll get on to it later, but when he started being blessed, that's when enemies came, okay? We can't preach on that yet. That's good. 
Really good. I got some stuff going on in my head right now. It's really good, okay? You just can't have it right now. But Jesus grew in favor. If we don't have favor as Christian people, if there's not favor on our life with people, then there's something wrong in our life. If we're, if we're always on the wrong side of people, if there's always frustration and struggle and battle going on in your life with people, there's something going on that's not right. You've got to bring yourself under submission to God because there is, there is not a spirit of favor on your life. And God's children should walk in favor. Every one of us should walk in favor. People should just, just uh, have this feeling of wanting to favor you because of what's on your life. Now, I realize there's people who's not going to like you because of that, but even that, will, you'll overcome that with favor. When things go wrong, the favor of God is there. When people come against you, the favor of God is there. When, when things go wrong in your finances, the favor of God is there. When things go wrong in relationships, the favor of God is there. If we understand favor and we understand what God wants to put on our life, it'll cause us to begin to prosper in life, in relationships, and in every part of our life, not only that, we will get rid of a lot of sickness because there's a lot of sickness caused because of the strife and the lack of favor on our lives. When we walk away from the attitude that God wants us to have, I've seen this work in a lot of, a lot of different ways. And in studying this, I've been praying, God, I need to walk in more favor than what I'm walking in. We need, we need the favor of God to be more operative in our life and in our churches to where people, people are happy that we're around. How many, how many believe that people should be happy that the church is around? Amen. One of the, one of the reasons that, that people aren't that way is because there's been a, a wrong attitude in a lot of churches where it's all taken in and not given out. It's all, you know, taken, 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 taken. And, and we've, we've tried to build these monsters that we have to feed. And, and, you know, a lot of times God doesn't, doesn't want us to build these huge monsters. He wants us to feed people. And he wants, uh, I was blessed by, uh, there's been several accounts lately of churches that have paid off medical bills for, for uh, people in their community. One, one church, I forget where it's at, paid off uh, $7.6 million of medical debt for, um, I think, six cities in their area. And the way they did that is they, they got with a negotiator that negotiated medical bills. And they worked through this negotiator to resolve these medical bills and they saved millions and millions and millions of dollars by doing that, but they relieved the debt of people in six cities around them. Medical debt. Now, I gotta tell you something. That's what that's what God's all about. Amen. He's about He's about what we do with this thing, what we produce with it. Amen. And I'm not sure I've done a real good job of trying to explain favor today. But I've, mentioned, I've said the word favor at least 500 times, so you, you're going to remember that word. 
But I've seen, I see favor work. Whenever, whenever my boys were turned 18, I had a blessing service with each one of them. And I believe parents should do this. But we had a blessing service, and we blessed them and declared blessing over them. And, and we, we blessed them in every part of their life. And we declared that and recorded it. This is what your life is blessed with. And even though they have not cooperated real well at times with it, yet God has continually, I see the favor on their lives. And that favor come from the blessing that was imparted to them, and that blessing is still working. It's powerful. When we learn to bless, when we learn to bless each other, when we learn to bless what we're a part of, when we learn to bless our church, when we learn to bless people, then we will begin to see a difference take place in our lives and in the uh, community around us. Amen. Don't, don't tear down and, and, and curse what you need to feed you. Amen. Y'all's waiting for the other shoe to drop or something. I'm not going to take up an offering. Okay? When, uh, when, when we curse instead of bless, then it causes destruction in our life. You can't, you can't take away without losing yourself. I remember preaching in a church, and as my custom is, I, a lot of times I, I say things that uh, I kind of go behind the scenes a lot of times, and that's not real comfortable. It freaks people out. But I was preaching in this church, and I started talking about conversations that had went on in that church and repeating the conversations that had been going on behind closed doors in that church congregation. And that wasn't real comfortable for me or anybody else, but I, but I, I, I did it. And I started saying, this is, you, you've been meeting and you've been saying this and you've been saying this, you've been saying this. And at the end of the service, the pastor got up and said, people, please understand, I did not talk to this man. And he told me later, he said, he said, you relayed verbatim the conversations that has been taking place behind the scenes. And as people that was criticizing, cutting down, tearing down, trying to, you know, behind the scenes and, and, and causing devastation. And what we don't understand is what we're doing is we're hurting ourselves. If we just learn to bless instead of curse. If we learn to increase instead of decrease. If we could learn to let go of control and possession sometimes and just and, and, and stop fighting over who has control and who has, has possession. It would make our lives so much easier and so much better. You know, when, when you give in a church or when you give to somebody, that's a gift that you release. You no longer have control over that gift. You can't go back and try to school them on how they should spend that money. You know, it's a gift. You release it. You let it go. Amen. When, when people give uh, large amounts of money to a church or to a ministry, they have to simply release it and let it go because you've done your job. But, but favor will come on your life if you don't resent it. But if you resent it, then it 
their, their favor won't come. Amen. I've had, I've had people come to me and say, look, I know how much I've given this church, and you're going you're gonna to do this. You're going you're gonna to do this for me. and all, all this kind of, You might as well slap me in the face with something because you're going to get a fight out of me if you start that stuff. Ain't going to work. Hasn't worked for 40 years. Amen. And we, because there's a release. Amen. I've had people stomp their foot and everything else saying, you're going to do this, you know, and I was like, no, 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 no. I try to be real nice about it, real tender. <laughs> One person, I put my arm around them, walked off with them, and just simply explained that don't you ever talk to me like that again because it will not be accepted. And we want to get along, but don't ever come to me and demand anything again. See how sweet that was? Sweet and nice. We didn't have we didn't have to explain what was talked about. Come on. I'm trying to trying to get you to laugh or something. I mean, you know, do something. You're scaring me. When when favor, when we understand favor, that's when things start turning around in our lives. That's when we start winning instead of losing. That's when we start gaining instead of being taken away from us. And it's all about relationship and attitude in that relationship. Amen. To give. To give to somebody. To give because you, you just simply want to give. Not because you're expecting something, but just because you want to give. What a powerful thing that is. Amen. There's a lot of things. We'll get into that next week. There's a lot of ways that we can give that has nothing to do with money that releases favor on our life. And it's very, very important for us to grab hold of these things and to see it. You know, Joseph, I didn't get into Joseph today. We'll, we'll get to that later. But Joseph overcame Every obstacle, that's how, is it obstacle or obstacle? Obstacle. It's kind of like hilarious, you know, it's however I want to pronounce it. He overcame every obstacle that was put in front of him without having to do anything to actually overcome that obstacle. Why? Because there was a thing called favor. Stand with me if you would. I want you to walk out of this place and just be like a magnet. Things just start attaching to you, coming to you. Favor and honor, blessing. Just to have blessing on your life. Some of us don't understand blessing. The song they're about to sing is one of my favorites. He knows my name. I want God to know my name. I want him to know where I live. I, know, I want him to know everything about me, what's going on in my life.
I stumbled along today trying to present this. But I hope you got the concept of the fact that God wants to impart to you something that's beyond you and that causes things to happen in your life that are uncommon. Everybody say, I want to be uncommon. Amen. Father, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you, God, for the blessings that you've put on us. We thank you, Father, that you have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And Lord, I thank you for the fact that you have you have given us the things that we need. Thank you, Father. I've been batting this away. Sometimes I got a lot of stuff going on inside of me. And I try to, it makes it hard for me to focus. I've been batting this away the whole service, the whole time I've been preaching. And God wants, I, I feel like I've got to say this. There's some people here today that the foundation of the things that are going wrong in your life are built on a foundation of shame and guilt. It's called legal right. If the enemy doesn't have legal right in your life, then you have the power and authority to stand against him. But if he's got legal right in your life, then you're at the, at the will of, of that which has legal right over you. And so we need to give legal right to God. Give legal right back to God. We've got to stop letting the devil sell us his lies. And, and shame and guilt is a foundation in some lives here today that is causing problems in your life. It's like you, you are giving legal right to this stuff because you don't feel like you have the right to stand against it or stand up to it or deny it because there's legal right and you've bought that but the blood of Jesus is the legal right of freedom when you accept the blood of Jesus Christ in your life it is the legal right of freedom I don't care what what's happened in your life if you come humbly before God and cast yourself before God on his mercy he forgives us and releases us from the things that has bound us and we break the legal right of the enemy in our life. We break the legal right of addiction. We break the legal right of infirmity. We break the legal right of bondage in our life because we come and give that to God and say, God, I no longer will allow this to reign in my life, but now you are the one that reigns in my life. I'm giving you legal right over my life right now. And I will not be under the, the control of shame and guilt and condemnation any longer. As long as you work in condemnation, you are walking under the legal right of that condemnation to be oppressed. And as long as you agree with that, as long as you agree with that, then that legal right is going to stay empowered over your life. 
But when you decide to break agreement with it and bring it to the altar and bring it to God and say, God, I'm not going to walk under this condemnation, this guilt and this shame any longer. I'm handing legal right over to you, Father. That's where the oppression starts ending in your life. But as long as you walk under that, you are under the power of oppression. Praise God. As they sang this song, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, we're gonna break legal right today. Amen. Because favor can't come upon you until legal right is established. The legal right of God is established in your life. I'm not going to call it out. I'm not going to. I'm not going to just start speaking. You're going to have to bring it before God. Okay. You're going to have to come before God and say, God, this is it. This is it. This is it. I am not going to allow this condemnation, guilt, shame to, uh, to direct my life any longer, to torment me any longer because of the blood of Jesus is freeing me. I'm now under the law of freedom, life in Christ Jesus. Amen. I just want you to get out of your seat. Come on. Get rid of that shame. Get rid of that guilt. Break it off. Square your shoulders and say, this is it. This is it. I want, to, I want this broken off my life. I want to bring myself under the legal right of the blood of Jesus Christ once and for all. I want to break this bondage in my life. As they sing this song, I just want you to get out of your seat. Come on, I'm going to pray with you. And we're going to see the glory of God just break this thing. Come on, sing it. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father.